sauce. Who made the sauce? I made the sauce. Who got the sauce? I got the sauce. What's in the sauce? I am the sauce. Who got the sauce? I got the sauce. Who made the sauce? I made the sauce. Who got the sauce? I got the sauce. What's in the sauce? I am the sauce. Okay. Don't tell me you've tasted anything like this. Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino. I'm joined here by my co-host and star of this show, Tanner D'Agostino, and this is The Sauce, episode 379 on the network. Before we bring Tanner back on, just want to thank our audience here, 60,000 almost uh, should be there after this show. Thanks for your support. You guys know what to do. Five stars, write some comments, help us battle those podcast world analytics, much like they do in MLB. Blackout Coffee, be awake, not woke. Uh, Coffee is on The Sauce this month. If you want a discount at checkout, use TAN, T-A-N-N-D, all capital letters with the number 20 afterwards, TAN-D, T-A-N-N-D, 20. The coffee's on the sauce this month, 20% off all your, your purchases at checkout. And then uh, to our friend Ted Kubiak, longtime listener, very first guest we had on the show, uh, appreciate his support. So we want to give him some support. Get his two books at Christmas time for your baseball lover. Old School gives Ted's view on his pastime. Uh, and chronicles his career, one of the smoothest fielding shortstops in the game, three-time world champion, uh, leads me to his second book, How to Field a Baseball, one of the most comprehensive tutelages in how to field a baseball that I've seen out there. Anything in, in writing, anything in person, especially anything on YouTube. Uh, Ted's uh, ability to teach how to do it is second to none. So I recommend both books at uh, at Christmas time for your baseball lover. Uh, with that, now we got the sauce coming back today. He's done a great job. He's uh, we've had a good following, good questions. Please keep them coming for him. Um, but I'll just give you a little preamble to the show today. going to give you a little Army-Navy talk today, a little Heisman, uh, a little academic Heisman to the William V. Campbell Award. Talk transfer portal. Uh, Charlie Baker's got some some ideas, a new head of the NCAA. We'll, we'll, I say that facetiously. And then uh, NIL talk. And then uh, we may get into some Florida State talk at the end. It's kind of died down, but certainly worth uh, exploring the committee's selection, how they came about it, and we've covered it the whole way, so we might as well put an exclamation point on it today. With that, uh, Tanner, welcome back to your show. Uh, thanks for having me again. It's been, I think, think a uh, great job first few weeks. Uh, we're on episode, what, four of this for you? Uh, yeah. Four. So uh, today, you know, well, you and I watched a little Army-Navy uh, before the show today. They had them on game day. Of course, I like game day's show. Uh, you know, they, they do a nice job of supporting college football. Had Bill Belichick on. Uh, as the guest picker, he has history with Navy. Also had uh, Lee Corso has uh, uh, history with Navy too as an assistant coach. So a uh, lot, of, lot of coaches have gone through there. Bill Parcells, we know. Uh, Bobby Knight, we talked about on one of our other shows. Um, but uh, with you now, g- give us a little bit of, just a tiny bit of background on the game. You know, you could share the the records. We won't go spend too long on it, but the records. I know the the, the series started back in 1890. They played every year, so one of the longest standing rivalry. Just give us the records, few players to watch, and then um, you know any thoughts you had on the game today. Well, they've played 123 times since 1890, and that I think that's one of the longest standing rivalries in college football, if not the longest. And the season, the series is at uh, 62, 54, and seven. Navy is winning that. And you can't tie anymore, but back when they could, then there were seven of them. But some players to watch are Army quarterback Bryson Daly. He's not a traditional passer, as Army usually plays. He's a 
He's an option quarterback. What, he could, what, what do they run? The triple triple wishbone? Yeah, triple or option. Or triple option? Uh, it's fake. A read option, and then there's another option. You can choose to shovel it or you can choose to keep it. Yeah, well, th- those of us that were born in the 70s and lived through the 80s, we called that the wishbone back then. Now they've reinvented it like they do in baseball. They call all sorts of names with the read option, triple option. We invented that, brother, not you guys. So uh, for those my era, wishbone offense, they run. I, I enjoyed it. We saw some, some – uh, previews before it's fun it's fun it's fast um not gonna pass a lot right yeah they're not a lot of passing in army navy um last year's game ended in double overtime 20 to 17 normally when it goes to double overtime the score is like 42 to 47 but army navy it's gonna be a low scoring game it's gonna be fun it's gonna be good football it's gonna be disciplined football um for navy uh they have a a slot back eli henrich i hope i'm saying that right He's a slot back. He's their best receiver. He's got around 400 yards, 450, I think, to be exact. He's their best receiver. He's a slot back. And then they also have a fullback who's, who's used, they use as their main running back. Ergo, triple option, wishbone. They Who is have, that now? Who's, what's, what's his name? Alex Tesca. He, he has 729 yards, six touchdowns. He's probably their best player he's probably going to get the ball the most today he's a traditional tackle to tackle or in, inside the tackles type of runner so yeah i'm anxious to see it and i think you're right they're they're two they have the same record right five and six yeah they're five and six both teams are fighting to finish 500 they're trying to get the commander's cup and we saw army army's gone on a little bit of a run late right they upset air force air force was undefeated yeah they killed air force killed air force uh a tradi- not, not a traditional score. They 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 put up uh, what was it, high thirties, low forties on them. Yeah. Air Force was trying to vie for that New Year's six slot right there. The, that that uh, Tulane got, I believe. And then they they beat our local team here, Coastal Carolina, a couple weeks back here. Uh, busted them up. So Army's on a little bit of a roll. But I mean, the the, the group today and game day, they seem to know. I, I guess you'd say they know a little bit more than everybody else. Maybe not than you. But they they picked Navy today. Who who do you say in the game today? Who do you think is going to win it? Uh, I would say Army. I think Army's going to. They won last year. I think they're going to come back this year. Um, Bryson Daly. I think he's going to have a big day. I think he's kinda, he's not going to have a lot of passing yards. He's going to have a good amount of running rushing yards. I think he's going to be low scoring. Maybe maybe even same scores last year, but probably like seventeen fourteen. Don't be surprised if it's like nine to twelve. It's going to be a low scoring game. Yep. Well, it's good. And and uh, Army's uh, Army holds a little bit of the recent. Uh, they've got a recent advantage where they won five of the last seven. Is that right? But then Navy went on a streak way back when they won. Uh, right before that, yeah, they had a 15-game winning streak. Okay, so it goes and runs. I'm going to go with you on Army. I've got a little history with Army. Army's who recruited and signed me out of high school to play both basketball and baseball for, for West Point. So I'm going to say go Army with you today. I, I usually like to disagree with you because it's much more fun when we're antagonistic during the game. But today we'll be a little kumbaya. We'll sit side by side and We'll say go Army here. So what do you got next? Now, I got a couple of different Heisman Awards. They got the academic Heisman. They've got the regular Heisman. What do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with the academic Heisman. Okay, and that's give, give the name of that at least. And they, they already picked the winner of that, right? Yeah, they already picked it. It's Bo Nix. It's the William B. Campbell Award. Uh, William Campbell, that's the academic Heisman, as you said. Uh, Bo Nix won it. He's He had a great season. Uh, didn't know how good he was academically, but I'm happy that he won it. He's a great player yeah he's been in college now six years so if he yeah i'm hoping he has his master's degree by now but yeah bo Nix, we both were fans of him well we wanted to be fans of him when he was at auburn under gus malzahn who's now at us uh ucf but he's really flourished in the oregon offense 
and glad to see him up there for the academic Heisman, uh, but excited to see him also for the Heisman, right? Who are the candidates for the Heisman? Right? Give us a little rundown. Well, the top candidates for the Heisman, they picked the four finalists last week. Um, the favorite right now is Jane Daniels. I'm not sure how much I agree with that, but he's the favorite right now. The second favorite is Michael Penix. Where's Daniels from? Daniels from LSU. He's a transfer from Arizona State. Um, he's a quarterback for LSU. He has great numbers, 72% completion percentage, 40 touchdowns, uh, 3,800 yards. So he's a, he's, a, he's a great player, and that's why he's up for the Heisman. So he's the straw poll favorite right now? Yeah. Okay, so who, who are, are the rest of the candidates quarterbacks as well, or do they have anybody that's outside the, the norm this year? No, they got Marvin Harrison Jr., which is, which is great. I'm glad that there's a non-quarterback in it. Arguably the best player in the country. If that was what the award was for, I think he would win it. But he's uh, he's the, probably the best player in the country, if not Brock Bowers. He has 1,200 receiving yards, 14 touchdowns, 67 catches. He's Without him, Ohio State's probably a three-loss team right now. They probably lose to Notre Dame and Penn State. So he's he was the biggest player on that team this year, and they, di- they didn't win it, but he still had a great game against Michigan, and people are saying he struggled. He had 82 yards and a touchdown. That's yeah, pretty good. They, they targeted him big time. So him, so you mentioned Bowers too. It's hard for those Bowers was hurt this year. So he, he probably eliminated himself for any contention and he plays that non-traditional what, tight end position. But the, the Heisman is not necessarily what the NFL sees as far as their rank order. So I think maybe your predictions will come out more in the NFL draft with Harrison and Bauer going maybe a little higher than than a couple of these guys. So your, fir- your first candidate was Jaden Daniels. I-, I agree. Fun to watch LSU. Um, they sling the ball around high scoring offense. Uh, you know, he-, he put the numbers up. He's in SEC country. So they tend to have a little bit more activity and aggressiveness when it comes to this Heisman voting. So I'm not surprised he's at the, he's the unofficial favorite right now. Uh, the next two in line now, who are they? What conferences are they from? Who do they play for? Give us some, some highlight numbers for them. Well, the next player in the the polls is right now is Michael Penix. He has he last week Bo Nix had the most yards. Michael Penix passed him in the Pac twelve championship game. He has forty two hundred yards, thirty three touchdowns, sixty five percent completion percentage. He without him, I don't I don't know how good they are. They're definitely not as good as they are right now. They he had great receivers on the edge, but he definitely made it uh, definitely worked with them. He was probably the if you look at pure numbers, he was probably the he's probably the favorite to win the Heisman. But as of right now, that's not the case. Um, he plays; he's the Washington quarterback. Lefty, he's, right? Lefty. He's going to be in the. He's playing for the college football playoff, which I think should be important. Um, in the Pac-12, which you could argue is the toughest conference. I know a lot of people want our USEC. He's in the Pac-12, uh, and he's the Washington quarterback. Yeah, they were deep this year, the Pac-12, and I, I every week. I tuned into Washington, and I was probably the biggest skeptic on them. And hard to argue against their record. Uh, I know they struggled sometimes with some weaker opponents. But watching them the last two weeks, especially against Oregon, they beat Oregon twice. And to me, Oregon was one of the top three teams that I saw this year, and Washington handled them. And it's sometimes just a matter of matchups. But, yeah, Penix is phenomenal, former Indiana Hoosier. Uh, So Michigan was familiar with him. Uh, really, really showed out in that Pac-12. And I agree with you. I think the Pac-12 was as deep as anybody this year, top to bottom. When you see USC and UCLA finishing, uh, you know, right around that 500 mark, uh, that means they're, they're playing some tough opponents. So who, who do you got next? I know you mentioned, so you mentioned, 
Daniels, you mentioned Harrison. I'm say, thinking is probably the number four on the list. Is that right? Uh, Harrison is four, yeah. Four. So Daniels one, four, Penix two. Who's number three on the list? Number three is Bo Nix. Um, if you want to look at best of both worlds where he's got the stats, he's got the numbers, and he also had a shot to make the playoffs, he'd probably be your pick. But uh, he's got 4,100 yards. He was passed up by Penix with the yards, as I mentioned. He's got 40 touchdowns, and he leads the country in completion percentage with 77.2%. He's the Oregon quarterback. He, uh, as I said, won the release, right? He gets that out there. They were saying, like, uh, I mean, you really got to put pressure on him. And that's what I thought Washington did last week. They committed to covering option one, which he's been great at. He's been great at his, uh, his, his reads, his progressions, and then rarely does he have to go beyond one. But Washington put pressure on him, shut down number one, and forced him to two three. Still completed a ton of passes, and I, as we were watching, I thought it was last team with the ball was going to win. Uh, but yeah, Bo Nix to me super impressed since we we watched him during the struggles uh, when he was at Auburn under that offense. Neither you nor I could figure out what they were doing there with him. But it goes to show you in football, especially with the quarterback and sports in general, because we got a lot of parents that listen to these shows. Sometimes it, it, it takes everybody a little different time to develop, and we're in such a hurry in our world. There's such an inertia for immediate success that could you imagine if we shoved Bo Nix aside or even Penix aside? Uh, these guys have turned into and, and just blossomed into great quarterbacks for the college level, and I think they're going to be very good pro quarterbacks as well based on what we've seen. So I'm rooting for Bo Nix. I think Bo Nix is my choice for Heisman. How about you? Yeah, I'd go with Bo Nix as well. Well, we we agree on two things today. I think the world could explode, Mm -hmm. possibly, and it's never happened here. So we've got the academic Heisman, Bo Nix. You mentioned the Heisman candidates. Um, Only four going uh, right there. Surprised there's no Michigan guy there? Um, I'm not surprised, but I am a little disappointed. I think Blake Corum should be up for that. I think he's arguably been the best player in the country. I know Harrison might be, but Corum's definitely up for that. He carried them and the Penn State game, and he did. He had two touchdowns in the Ohio State game. He did not have a game this season where he didn't score a touchdown. Right. That's pretty impressive. So I, I think he's got to be there, but he's not. So. Is, it, is it a Michigan bias? Is it a the, the running back is not promoted? Because in the past, running backs have won, but we haven't seen a running back win in a while, correct? Correct. I, think, I don't think it's a Michigan bias. I think it's a quarterback bias, as a lot of awards usually are. You could say that with the MB, uh, MVP in the NFL. Usually the Heisman's quarterback award. Devonta Smith did win it, but that's like a that's the exception, not the rule. Usually, yeah. But the receivers are it's a different offensive game, let's say in college football and in, in the NFL now, where it's it's the read option, it's it's pass where it used to be run. So I I loved watching Corum play. I think we saw Michigan without him last year, and I was impressed with how well they they adjusted. But he stepped it up a notch this year, and uh, yeah, I I would agree. I I'd have to. You know, I know it's quarterback driven, but take him out of the mix with Michigan, and I don't know that they're where they're at right now. Yeah, uh, or at least the gap's a little closer than it is. Okay, so you want to move on? What do we want to move on to next? Transfer portal? Uh, yeah, let's go transfer okay. portal. Okay, so transfer portal, as we know, it opened up, uh, you know, just this past week or so, and already it's it's up over. I don't know what's it up. I heard, think I heard today it was up over three thousand, close was, to four thousand. As of yesterday, it was three thousand. Okay, so. And today's another day. I, I did see where uh, I did read an article where Michigan had zero guys put in the transfer portal, which doesn't surprise me in the sense that they've got a shot to win a national title. So nobody wants to run away from that per se. But we are in a window now. If guys don't jump ship now, 
that gap's going to close and, you know, they don't play till after New Year's. So that's, uh, you know, I, I agree. I, I think it, it bodes to that, but also tells you the kind of culture they're building. Cause I did see somebody from Alabama enter the portal today. So, um, you know, so it's my theory works for Michigan, but not for Alabama. So, uh, what, what you, who are the top, who are the headliners right now in the transfer board? Is it quarterback driven as well? Uh, yeah, it's mostly quarterbacks, a lot of quarterbacks. So, so give us uh, in your mind who the, the top guys to get, let's, let's stay with the quarterbacks here. And if you have anything on them, great. At least give us, you know, the, the guys that we should look at in the portal, you know, if you, who they played for, cause they're, they're not there anymore. And if you have any insight into who they may be going to, who may be in on them. Um, well, as of yesterday, Dylan Gabriel committed to Oregon. So that's a pretty good get for Oregon. He We're, was Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. He was the lefty of Oklahoma. He's from Hawaii. I think. He, he was a Heisman candidate for a little bit. He beat Texas. He had like four touchdowns in that game. He's a real good player. Right. I think with Dan Lanning, he's going to step it up a notch. He's going, you said, to Oregon. Oregon. Oh, yeah, great. Great pickup by Oregon right there. So who else we got? Um, Dante Moore from UCLA. He's in the portal. He looked like the favorite to get him is Michigan. I don't know if McCarthy's going to the NFL. He has not said anything about it. So if he does commit to Michigan, there is a chance he might have to sit for a year. Going to Michigan's not a bad place to go. More, more is a is a NFL ready quarterback in the sense where he's he's learning under Chip Kelly, and Chip Kelly took some knocks this year. They didn't have the record that at least UCLA fans thought that he should have. Uh, but he's one of the best in the business, and I would say more whoever picks more up is going to have a kid that's ready to step in, a la Bo Nix, a la Penix, I think, and put up some big numbers. Because as you said, the Pac-12 was was pretty tough this year, so yeah. they played against the best. Okay, so you got. You got uh, Gabriel, you got Moore. Uh, Gabriel's snatched up. Moore, you think Michigan. Who's Who else is on our list? Well, uh, you got Riley Leonard from Duke. Oh, I love him. He was really good. Uh, got he, hurt, though, right? He got hurt. He uh, had a pretty good game against Notre Dame. He was solid. He got hurt at the end of it. It was it wasn't fun to watch. He was very good. He's a very good player. Um, I think there's a couple teams. I think teams with quarterbacks at the transfer and going to the NFL. You could look at Washington. You could look at Ohio State. Uh, not to foreshadow, but Kyle McCord entered the transfer portal. Um, I think those are two options for him. I think can he's I got... guess one? Who? Can I think he follows his former head coach to Texas A and M? Yeah, that's a that's a good option. Yeah. yeah. But now, what I like about him, Duke's not known as a. I mean, we know Duke is a basketball school, yeah. and I thought they did a great job of really climbing the ladder in the ACC. And had he not gotten hurt, uh, they could have been. Uh, in contention for what maybe Florida State accomplished this year. So, and I think that hurt Florida State. You had teams like Duke fall because of that. Clemson didn't have a normal year. North Carolina slid a little bit late in the season. So, uh, and Florida State capitalized on on that and and ultimately was penalized for it by the committee. But I, I like uh, I like Riley. I think he's a. I we saw interviews on him during game day when they were down there, and I think he's a smart quarterback. I think Duke has done a good job of developing players to the pro level the last couple of years. And as you said, wherever he lands is going to determine his worth in the NFL, but he's got all the makings to be a great one. I'm, I'll put my money on uh, him reuniting, and it feels so good with his uh, former coach at Texas A&M. So just a guess. Who, who else you got? Sorry to interrupt you there. Um, I don't I don't know how to pronounce his name. The DJ, uh, I'm going to try, Ugungale. He's from That's Oregon good. State. Pretty good. Um, he's got a shot to probably go to the Big Ten. His head coach went to Michigan State. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, bank on him going there, but there's a shot that he will. Um, I think 
there's a good shot he goes to the Big Ten because that's where all the Pac-12 teams went. And why? Why do you think? I mean, or his former school, Oregon State, they're in the uh, what's it? It's a two two division team, right? Next year? Yeah, it's a pack. It's a pack. They're in the Pac-2 right now. They jokingly call them the Tupac, like Tupac Shakur, the rapper there. But uh, yeah, so D- DJ's been. He was, you know, he had decent time at Clemson. Didn't quite pan out to what people thought he'd be. And I think they likened him to because he followed Trevor Lawrence, right? Yeah. And then, you know, they had Deshaun Watt. They've had some good quarterbacks run through there and for Dabo, Sweeney. But, yeah, I think he's got the makings. He's got the bones. And, again, it may just be another year, another system uh, with that. But you couldn't see him going to Michigan State. Awful cold out there. Uh, I could see him going there, yeah. Yeah, so some of these guys should be fo- could be following their coaches' jumping ship. So who else we got? We, I found the, the, the strange one I saw and I thought was the kid at Ohio State, McCord. They invested in him. Uh, you saw him progress throughout the season. I think uh, Ryan Day, as is, is, is much as he annoys me listening to him talk and how he approaches that Michigan rivalry, he has done a great job in that program. He has, his three losses are to Michigan. You know, So other than that, he's 40-0 and 0 in the Big Ten except for Michigan. I know it's unacceptable for you Ohio State fans, but the McCord kids struggled early on, and the development that they went through goes into some of the talk we're going to have trans- about the transfer portal, the positives and negatives. I thought he was ready to take that next step and it could have been an advantage for a guy who knows the system coming back next year to, to maybe battle Michigan for that top spot in the big 10 or all these other teams that are coming in. So thoughts on McCord, where could you see him going? Uh, I can't see him transferring up to any school because Ohio state's about as high as it gets. I could see him going down to a lower level school. Really? Like uh, not like a non division one, but like maybe not even maybe an ACT team, maybe a Clemson, maybe a, Florida State, because Jordan Travis got to leave. I don't think he can come back. I think those are two options. I don't see him going to any team in the Big Ten. Yeah, it's a, well, you never know. You got teams like Iowa who couldn't score this year. But, yeah, it would be hard to transfer within conference, even though we did see the old Michigan quarterback transfer. Yeah, in con- yeah that's, I think that's a little bit different. Uh, I think uh, he. everybody at Michigan loved him. He was a great player. Yeah. He was, he was the leader on that team, and – he was they they need they wanted to go to McCarthy they wanted to go another way he stayed there for a year and then he transferred after that and he was a late senior this this kid's I think a junior yeah. now and first uh, year as a starter I th- I think maybe they sat him down and said we're gonna go another direction we're gonna try to recruit over your head and that's what it was but I don't I don't know we don't know that but that's kind of risky for a team to do I I I think you're uh, they're not quite that honest. In there, he probably reads the the pundits out there, and he under now you and I both know that. So an okay quarterback on the transfer portals, they're, they're good for nil money for one to two million dollars. If you're elite, you're making six million. So he's somewhere in the middle. Ohio State, as you said, it's hard to go much higher than that. But I mean, would it be crazy to think that he shows up out of Georgia or a? A, uh, a high-level team that just needs a guy that has the experience. Uh, and I'm not saying he's going to go to Georgia, but one of those top 10 programs or those newer teams that jumped into the Big Ten from the Pac-12 uh, that may need a guy uh, or a, uh, a new SEC team to, to do that. So, And you're, you're looking up Carson Beck on your, your little trusty pad there. Yeah, so. I'm trying to see if – yeah, he's a junior. I don't think he's going to leave, so I don't, I don't think Georgia's the – uh, an option. I think he's going to stay for his senior year because he's uh, he's not really an NFL prospect right now. I think he, if he could go one more year and have a good year, he could be one. 
But uh, yeah, I don't. A, a team that just needs a guy with the experience is not not a bad like Florida State. If they 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 yeah. have an automatic bid if they win the ACC, Clemson they have an automatic bid. They don't have a quarterback right now because Jordan Travis has got to either leave to the NFL or just I don't do something else. So so we did we go through all the quarterbacks that are out there? We're we missing anybody? Uh, I think we got uh, most of the the big name ones. What about I I don't know much about the kid from Kansas State. Uh, or Washington State, to be honest with you, the, with uh, with was it Will Howard from Kansas State? They had a good year this year. He's out. Yeah, he's transferring. And then uh, we got a local local boy who's on every billboard here in town, Grayson McCoy. That's how I know that name. Um, he's he's in the portal too, huh? Yeah, he's going in the portal. I don't. He could. I mean, it's transferring from Coastal, so I think he could go to a Power Five school. But I don't see him going. I don't really. See him going to like a Georgia or a big name school, maybe an ACC team. I could see, um, maybe a lower, maybe a lower level SEC team like a Florida. Those are those are both options. Uh, he, I think he's going to transfer up. I think that was always his plan. I don't think his plan was to stay at Coastal for his entire well, career. We're looking at a power two really now with the Big Ten and the SEC. I think Big Twelve, ACC. Even though they get automatic bids, we're we're kind of seeing. And I did see today. We didn't talk about this in the show notes. I did see that Florida State is petitioning to leave the ACC within the year, and we could see them join the Big Ten as well. So, um, you know, when, when, when we're talking about the ACC, hopefully we're not offending an entire region of the country, but um, there's good football there. But obviously, you know, the Big Ten SEC kind of rules the roost in that regard, and they pirated from the Big 12, so they weakened that conference a ton. So lots of good options for these guys out there. The quarterback makes the world go around as we know in football and all these guys have had good coaching. They come from good situations. And if we've learned nothing from Bo Picks and Michael Penix, that um, if you're strong enough uh, mentally and you're coached well enough uh, at your next stops, you can, uh, you know, you can turn those mistakes into principles and you can turn yourself into a prospect if you're given time. So I think that list is great. I'd like to keep an eye on it, and we'll post that for our audience so they can take a look and maybe vote on who, where they think they're going to go or if they have any inside information. Any, uh, any, and I know we talked running backs aren't the way of the world, but we did see one. Uh, we saw a bunch of good ones. We talked about the guy from Michigan who's not going anywhere. But we've got the brother of an NFL guy that we saw here at Clemson, um, possible in the port. Tell, tell me who I'm talking about there. Uh, Trevor Etienne. Uh, he's obviously the brother of Travis Etienne. He uh, he played up. He's playing at Florida right now. He's gonna he's transferring. Um, I think he he'll probably transfer to a a Big Ten school or a bigger a bigger uh school than Florida is well, right now. Well, Florida's bottom of the bottom third of the SEC right now. Yeah. Um, they've struggled this year. Uh, you know, with I think they finished. I don't know if they finished under five hundred. Yeah, I think they finished five and seven. Very disappointing, I think, for Florida fans. Or they they're still stuck in the Urban Meyer uh, era with Tim Tebow. And haven't uh, you know? You had the old ball coach there for a while uh, before before Urban, but they they struggled this year. Etienne's a hell of a back. I mean, he's powerful. I love his approach. I, I call his approach slow to explode through. So he's very slow to the line of scrimmage, picks his spots. But when he goes, he's I think he's just as skilled as his brother Travis. And who's his brother Travis play for? Is he Jacksonville? Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. So him, the two Clemson guys ended up in Jacksonville. There, well, he could go to Clemson. That's a good that's a good spot for him to go. Maybe familiarity, but Clemson is not notorious for tossing out the NIL money. So Yeah, they don't do transfers a lot. Dabo Sweeney said, yeah. Depends on where he wants to make his money, as a college guy or as a pro guy. So 
Any big-time wide receivers we need to pay attention to? Well, there was one big one, uh, T- Tobias Merriweather from Notre Dame. Um, I think he, he's a big he's a big guy. What's he, what's he stature-wise? He's one of those big 6'2-plus six, six, long athletic receiver. He's not a slot guy, right? We're talking about a big target. Yeah, we're talking about – I think we're – yeah, we're talking about a big target. He's 6'4", 205 pounds. He's, he's a big guy. He's, he moves well. He's not one of those big, slow guys. He, he's going to be a big one in the target. I could see Ohio State. I could see uh, Alabama. Can I take a guess? Yeah. I'm, I'm doing more. Mine is more a linear approach. You know, we saw LSU's coach, currently Brian Kelly, come from Notre Dame. Uh, LSU has been notorious, even though it wasn't under the Kelly regime. But uh, they've, they've turned out some great receivers in the NFL. And we've got their quarterback up for the Heisman. Has he gone to the NFL or is he back for another year, the, the, Louis, the LSU quarterback? I think he's a senior, but I don't know if there's some COVID year thing he could exploit. Uh-huh. There, there's a shot he could exploit something and come back one more year, but I think this, he's going, this he's is a senior He's going to take year, it and yeah. go, yeah, so he's going to make his money. But we've got a lot of other quarterbacks that we said. Those guys could very likely end up at LSU. Uh, I could see this kid going to LSU, uh, Tobias Mayer, or where we've seen Alabama turn out some great receivers in the past few years. They didn't, they didn't have that. I don't think it's like they did this year. They reinvented themselves, but possible Alabama there. The rich will get richer. I guess that's the theme of our show. Any anybody else besides Merriweather we got to look at? Um, there's a Texas A&M D lineman named Walter Nolan. He uh, that he's probably going to stay in the SEC. Uh, every team in the SEC loves to take from Texas A&M because they they give all that NIL money out and then they don't they underperform and then they leave and then they go to a bigger name SEC school. Alabama loves doing that. Uh, Georgia loves doing that. Ole Miss loves doing that. All the good SEC teams love taking from Texas A&M because that's that's they have a lot of good players and they underperform and they all want to leave. So. Yeah. Well, we we uh, we saw a team like Michigan. Uh, have success this year as much as we celebrate uh, McCarthy and and uh, their running backs and their receivers at all those teams. You know, that's all we've talked about. We saw teams like Michigan and when Texas beat Alabama early on, Georgia's prowess, everybody wins it at the line of scrimmage. So we will we'll put this stuff online for you guys out there to take a look at the quarterbacks, running back, et cetera, because those are the sexy positions. But I think what we're going to churn out for you as this portal gets through, we'll dive into it this week. I want to hear about some interior linemen and I want to hear about some D backs because that's where that's kind of, in my opinion, where the world goes around. So we, we can do that next week as the portal revs up here. So um, wh- where do we want to go from here? We got Charlie Baker, who is the head of the NCAA came out with a, a new thought regarding the transfer portal where he says he wants to do contracts with the players like employee contracts as a solution to fix the insanity that we're seeing with all this running around. Because I'll paint the picture for you. I'm a former college basketball coach, so I kind of saw this a little bit, but not as insane as it is right now. So the college coaches are trying – this is signing time for high school guys. Guys are jumping in the transfer portal. You've got college bowl season. You've got um, kids taking final exams. You've got coaches jumping to other jobs. So to say this is chaos would be an understatement, but they know what they – they jumped into they're they're making good money and this is part of it but it's very difficult for a parent now i look at myself with you as you grow and you get into this mix as an athlete it's already started for us a little bit but you're going to have to make decisions based on the unknown and that's puzzle versus mystery 
too much information, not enough information. So there's a little bit of both in these decisions. So the system as it's set up is designed, in my mind, um, for a lot of potential mistakes. But rather than change it drastically, what I laughed at Charlie Baker's thought was, Tan, I want to get your thought on that. He wants to sign these guys to employee contracts to make them actual employees of the school. It's laughable because they're already doing that right now. They're already paying. So he's moving to more legislation to formalize it, which, again, you want my opinion on it? Yeah. You want to hear it? Okay, so my opinion would be I like that the guys are making money. In the beginning, I didn't know what to think with the transfers and and all this stuff. I don't like it at the levels that you're at right now, these lower levels. That's where the habits are getting bad. I like the fact that guys can jump ship. Um, Jason Whitlock had an idea where this, the first time they jump is a transfer, but they lose, uh, the NIL money. They can't get NIL money. Cause that's what the enticement is. They're paying guys basically. So that was his thought. I don't think that'll fly. There's no way in heck that'll, that'll fly. But my opinion is if the concern is there's so much movement year to date, the kids get NIL money, sign them to, and, and, and do you know you know how long scholarships are? Do you have to show you how long scholarships are? Uh, how long the duration is? No. So scholarships for the audience, it's, they're one year renewable. So in the past, the kids were at the mercy of the coaching staff. They could because if they transferred, they had to sit out, but the coaches could release them based on you know some criteria. So scholarships are only one year renewable. If you brought me into the office, I say, hey Tanner, I want you to work for me. I'm going to pay you. I want you to be loyal for a lifetime, but you're only on a one year contract. How's that sit with you? It doesn't make any sense, no. Yeah. You're going to be as loyal as long as I am, correct? It's reciprocal. Yeah. yeah. So um, you're, you know, eighth grade, so you're getting that. So I'm certain these college kids aren't going to fall for, for that stuff. So that was Whitlock's thought. Baker wants to formalize and already something that's already happened. My thought is simple. I would sign, give the, give the kids options, just like you do as an employee. One year, two year, three year, four year options. Um, the complaint, uh, Joel Klatt said, uh, the coaches don't want to invest in the development of a kid. Well, that's what you got to do. That's what keeps them there. But if you want to keep them longer, in my opinion, you want them to be loyal. You want the school to be loyal. Sign, give options to longer contracts. Stagger it. We're signing you to a one-year deal, two-year, three-year, four-year. And if the player wants to get out of the contract, they have NIL money, they've got to buy out. Or the, you know, or the school bringing them has to buy it out. So the school gets compensated, just like you would do with a coach. Um if the coach wants to release a player without an infraction uh, as listed in the contract, then they have to have do a payout too. So if they want to be employees, that's what they are anyway. And well, Baker's idea was to create a, a, another level league in college football that um, has to do it this way. Everybody else. So it's basically creating a major league and a minor league, which to me is it's already there. I guess he wants to formalize it. So um, question is you as a future student athlete, what are your thoughts on, you know, NIL money, which means you can make money on your name, image, likeness, uh, being paid when you're in school? Um, you know, does that – I can't imagine you'd be against it. No, I'm for NIL. I think you got to be paid for the work you do. This, if you win a national championship, the schools make – I don't even know how much money. They well, make a ton of it. Yeah, it's in the billions. And then the, the quarter – I think the big-time players got to make money. I like the way Michigan does it. They don't – well, as they – as proof right now. They, I, don't know, I don't know how they do. How do they they do? don't go out and they buy players. They pay the players based on what they've done at the school. Mm-hmm. So some team, most teams use it as a recruiting way, like Texas A&M has been alleged to do. They say, we'll give you this much money if you come. Michigan doesn't do that. They say, well, you'll come. However, 
good you do, we'll pay you that much money. So it's merit-based. Yeah, that's how that's how NIL was supposed to be. That's not how it's going right now. But I do I do like NIL. Well, you know, people, for the audience, NIL is supposed to do, do what you're saying, basically. Pay them for the uh, the publicity they get for the schools. But they're abusing that, as all the schools do. They, they find the loopholes. So basically, these kids are being paid. And they may just tweet something once. They may that's the name, image, and like, and then but it doesn't matter. They're getting paid regardless. So yeah, it's it's a mess. Uh, I'm not sure that the head of the NCA is qualified to uh, fix the mess, but we have to fix the mess in the same state of mind that we created the mess. So um, you know, the, everybody wants to add add more variables to it. Honestly, they want to be treated like employees. Do it. Um, that means these guys may unionize and. And uh, you may see college sports become exactly what is it is anyway. It's professional sports, just called something different. So why the facade, I do not know. It hasn't been amateur for a long time. So um, so we that, cover that. We got more to cover on that, or is that pretty good with that? Yeah, I think I, I, think I made my point with the NIL. You want to make money, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 it's, it's pro sports. And Harbaugh's, you know, as you, you're, you're a Harbaugh, Harbaugh guy. Um, he's been very big proponent of, he says it in every interview. I want the guys paid. He wants them paid. Um, probably doesn't make them too popular with the other schools, but, no. uh, Michigan is certainly willing. You know, the funny part about it is the school is raising money from the same people they're doing anyway. And it's the coaches going and say, I need a quarterback and I need to pay 5 million in the transfer portal, raise some money. And that's all they do is they raise money from the same people who are building the, the weight room facility and the library and whatnot. It's just sports oriented. So. It's, they're all part of the same hypocrisy, without question. Okay, so we stayed away from this early in the week. I did some posts on it. You and I talked about it. I, I made sure the posts were sauce-approved, which you did. Now, a lot of people coming out on opinions with the Florida State situation, not making the playoff run. You've been very uh, simple with your approach, and I don't want that to get lost with all the, the, the dialogue. So you, last week you were good. You, you, you had said, I gave you one word to describe the – uh, the committee. And, and what was the word? You remember? It was inconsistent. Yeah. And so just elaborate that simply inconsistent. What did they, you broke it down for me pretty simply. What did they say they were going to emphasize and what did they emphasize? Well, they said they were going to emphasize strength of schedule and strength of record. Um, strength of record is an ESPN only stat. I don't think they took that much into account, but they said they were going to emphasize strength of schedule and they're mostly out of conference schedule. And they, they did, they did that to an extent, but they told Florida State that you were in. They prioritized undefeated teams. Yeah, so how did – I mean, the first, like, five weeks, they just they broke it down basically like it was a Sesame Street thing. They mm-hmm. Zero losses, right? One loss, two losses. I mean, it was pretty evident. And if it stayed nice and neat, they were golden. Yeah. Um, but it did not stay nice and neat. So in your mind, they said they were going to emphasize strength of schedule. Did they do that? Uh, they – Towards the end, they did. When, when it benefited, it comes, it, yeah. yes. When it came to the selection, but during the whole process, they, the, no, they when, did not do it during the whole process. If there was only one show and that was on Sunday, and that was the only show, then I'd say they emphasized during the schedule, just like they said they did. But the shows before that, and before that, showed that Florida State was in. They said that Florida State is one of the best four teams, and I don't agree that they're one of the four best teams. I agree that they should be left out, but they were. I think what they were doing is they had Florida State in, and they were praying that Alabama didn't win right. so they could have no controversy, but that obviously didn't happen. I guess whoever they were praying to wasn't very happy with them. Yeah, they, they would have had Georgia in, and I, 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 I bet you're right. I think maybe Florida State would have slid in to that spot. Who knows? I, and they may not have. They may have been resided to leave them out no matter what and just deal with the backlash afterwards. 
but yeah, you're right. They were inconsistent. Uh, they, but they did their rankings based on losses. They lumped them in, which goes to tell you if Alabama hadn't played Texas and lost, they would have been ranked within those undefeateds mm-hmm. and they were still the same team. Yeah. They still got, you know, so that's, that's the, the hypocrisy of the committee. But I laugh at people who, you know, the committee was, was, in, they, they, I agree with, they were inconsistent. Um, and they lacked a little backbone in some ways. And they were trying to, to me, they were trying the easy way out. Path of least resistance would be my phrase for them. But it's no different than the past where they've had, you know, sports writers selecting it and it's their opinion. Everyone's like, it can't be somebody's opinion. So they're going to want to go to uh, an analytics formula probably at some point. Their answer has been the, the, with the 12 mm-hmm. teams. But if you look at the 12 teams, as people were complaining about power conferences, if you did the 12 teams this year based on the conferences are going in, which means it couldn't work out that way, but you're looking at, was it five Big Ten, five SEC, one ACC, and one team outside, which had been Tulane? Yeah. And it would have had Florida State playing Tulane in the first round Yeah, to do it. So, um, yeah, so it was interesting that that, that would be the case. So I, I agree. Uh, the, the, the word that bothered me, and I don't know, they kept saying most deserving. Is it most deserving? Is that how it's supposed to be? Well, how it's supposed to be is the four best, but I see how they got confused with it because how, the way it's been the last couple week, the last couple years, and even this year it's been most deserving. But it is supposed to be four best, and when you bring it down to four best, they got the four best teams in, in my opinion. But the most deserving teams is not how it's supposed to be. And Florida people that are arguing Florida State, I think they're arguing around the point. They say they got the strength of record. They got all these cool, they got all these good wins. They won without their quarterback, which they're not going to have their quarterback, but they won with a third string quarterback against the top 25 team. They argue around the point. The point is they're not one of the four best teams, yeah. and that's why they're not in. So, and, and now to be devil's advocate on that, to be able to select in a subjective way the four best, don't you have, pe- have to have people in the selection committee that are qualified to do that? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, I. We've talked about it on the show. I think that there are some people that aren't qualified to be in it. I think most people aren't qualified to be in it. They're all athletic directors. Um, there are some former coaches and some former players, but it's mostly athletic directors. Yeah, there's one. There's like one former player. There's a there's a female writer. Um, there's only one female on the committee. There's I think two former coaches, and there's I think eight ads. None of which that's their primary function in life. Mm-hmm. They're all executives somewhere whether it's at a university and I don't, I don't want to presume that they don't know how to break down film, but I dare say that they're not spending time breaking down film like Kirk Herbstreet is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they are. And I do agree that they are not probably the best uh, group of people to be deciding who makes the college football playoffs and decides how much, because they get a ton of money from making, being in the college football playoffs. Yeah, there's a conflict of interest and there is so, but I do think that, no, no one was arguing that the committee was unqualified until Florida State got left out, except for us and a couple other people. But Florida State, while they were in the top four, they had no problem with the committee, and as soon as they get kicked out, the committee's all of a sudden unqualified. Sure. And I, I can't remember what year it was. Our, one of our other co-hosts, Joe Frazero, man on second, brought it up. He's an Alabama fan. He, uh, he mentioned, I think it may have been 2000, where Florida State, based on at that time, I think it was the writers – pushed Florida State ahead of Alabama, who had a less record, but they felt they had a better strength of schedule. Alabama had a better record. They pushed them above them, and, oh, same type of complaining going on. But Florida State wasn't one of them, obviously, when it worked in reverse. So um, so I guess in, in clo- as we close here, 
Coach Norville, if you were the Florida State coach, would you be, you know, banging the drum? Pardon the pun down there with the Florida State. Uh, would you be banging the drum? Would you be pissed off? Would you be shouting at the moon to battle for your team? Well, uh, yeah, I I would. I think if you're a coach, you got to battle for your guys. You got to battle for your players. I'd be. I would come back. I'd say we got to we got to prove a point against Georgia, because uh, they play Georgia. They're yeah. a 14 point underdog in that game. I think they're going to say, hey. The, the point was we'd be an underdog in all those games. We're an underdog in this one. Let's prove them wrong. Let's prove that we can be an underdog, and let's prove that we can win. I would be banging the drum for my team, but at the end of the day, he's obviously a biased commodity. Yeah. So. you get, you got to move on, though. And I, I agree. I you know Everybody and their mother put a statement out. I think uh, I put Mike Krzyzewski put a statement out the other day. I, I came down hard on that on, on social media. But the, you know, the ACC commissioner, the AD of Florida State, uh, Mike Norville came out with one. I think players came out with one. Uh, so yeah, that that's, you got it. You got to stand up for your guys. Um, you know, what, what was, I found ironic was that they claim the ACC is a power five conference, but, uh, this, this came out in the media, which I'm glad it came out, but it didn't get emphasized. Florida state's AD and president were in the ACC meetings complaining that they were going to leave just a year ago because they were, they were holding, uh, the power of the ACC all in one hand, meaning they were the only power team in there. Uh, so it looks like they may move out as a result of this. I think I saw Big Ten earlier today, so that wouldn't surprise me if they did. My my problem with the whole thing is now you got to move on. You got to make sure your guys are locked in on Georgia because no matter who they played, they would have been a two touchdown underdog, mm-hmm. um, which I, I want to see the best, excuse my language, I want to see the best damn teams play. I'm tired of the first round blowouts, the bad football. I have no horse in the race. I don't, you know, have to call a game. I don't have to coach a game with there, but I don't want to watch the blowout just because someone feels like they should be in. But what my problem is, if you, do you mind if I share my problem? It is your show. Yeah, sure. Okay. You know, it's Festivus is coming up with the airing of the grievances. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to do my Festivus now on, on Florida State. Um, just because, and this would be my message to the team, just because we did everything that we were supposed to do everything that was asked of us. We did everything humanly possible. You hear this speech from me all the time. Doesn't entitle us to get what we feel like we deserve we should get. All it does is give us a seat at the table, which means without doing that, you have no right to claim any of that. So people were posting all week long, like why even play the season? Why? Because you've got to do everything you possibly can to earn a shot to do that. And that's your job to do. But just because you did it doesn't give you the, uh, you're not uh, deserving or obligated or entitled is the word to receive that. But without doing that, there's no way you can even be considered. I guess that's the best message. So to the team, I would say somewhere in this subjective approach to evaluating us, we left some doubt. And we've got to be real critical of ourselves these next couple of weeks and figure out where that doubt was. And then we want to close the gap. And then when we play Georgia, let's leave no doubt. And that would be my way to transition these guys. That would, I guess, would be my locker room talk to you. Because um, for the coaches to continue this on, and I'm not saying they are, or anybody around the program, they've got to shut this out. Because the world is, it, I, what do I tell you guys? It's fair, but not equal. So is it fair? Sure. Everybody got evaluated by the same committee under somewhat the same criteria. Is it equal? No. They obviously fear the ACC is not as high up as the other conferences. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done it. So let's deal with that that type of reality. So um, sorry to, to steal the stage, but thanks for letting me go coach on you for a little bit. 
what, uh, Give us some thoughts. Uh, where, where do, how do you want to leave the audience? You got any predictions for, I guess you predicted your Heisman Trophy winner already. Any predictions for the playoffs? You want to go that far ahead or any bowl games we got to watch that you're looking at? Or are we going to cover that next week? Uh, I think we can cover that next week. Any? Uh, well, I know who you're predicting to win the playoffs, but um, in the Michigan game, who do you think is going to win the other game, uh, the 2-3? The, the that one's a tough one, but at the moment I think I lean Washington because Texas has the 58th-ranked passing defense, and Washington has the, has the number one-ranked passing offense. They're going to pass. They're gonna, it's going to be a shootout. It's going to be a close one, but I, I lean Washington on that one. Yeah, that's a good point. The, 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 yeah, Texas is going to have to get to Penix in a hurry because their secondary is not equipped to handle uh, the wide receivers of, of Washington nor the, the prowess of Penix. So, and people forget Penix can run, too. So. They, they need to not just get to him. They've got to contain him and get to him and not let him get outside the pocket because that, that guy can fly. So, um, well, great show today, bud. Uh, kept you almost an hour here today on episode 379 of The Sauce. I hope the audience enjoyed it. We will put the, the we'll keep you updated on the transfer portal throughout the week. Some guys to look at. We'll certainly want to get your opinions on it. Audience, thank you. You know what to do. Five stars. Uh, write some nice comments for The Sauce underneath there. Any questions, concerns, put them on there. Uh, for Blackout Coffee, coffee's on Tanner this this month. So use his ID, capital T-A-N-N-D, as in D'Agostino. So TAND, two N's, all caps, with the number 20. Coffee's on him, 20% off. And then uh, to our friend Ted Kubiak, two books, old school, and how to field a, how to field a baseball, how to field a ground ball. Get those two books for your baseball lover. And with that, we're going to say goodbye to our audience today. Episode 379, Real Voices of the Game. Hope you enjoyed the sauce. What's in the sauce? I am the sauce. Who got the sauce? I brought the sauce. I made the sauce. Who got the sauce? I made the sauce. Who got the sauce? I got the sauce. What's in the sauce? I, I, I am the sauce.